Welcome to the Stony Brook Crossroads Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Doyle DeGraw. For more information about this podcast, our community, and other resources, please visit CrossroadsChurchSB.com. 31 days in every month, except for February. 365 days in every year, except for leap year. It always works out. But somehow or another, there are different settings where time doesn't feel like it's a quantity. It's, it's some kind of quality. And sometimes it's not the best quality. Sometimes time is very enjoyable. We have those seasons of time where we can hardly wait for something and we come to a vacation. And it seems like it takes forever for vacation to come. Like the kids. <clears throat> it takes forever for school to come to the end. And then summer comes. And for those of you that are teachers in the room, what happens with summer? Doesn't it feel like summer just disappears? So it seems like yesterday that school just ended. And next week, school starts again. Um, there are other places that I was thinking about that we all uh, get to enjoy whether we like it or not. You know how you sit in the doctor's office and it just feels like time goes really, really slow, especially if they're running late? And then uh, there are situations where you anticipate a great event, like someone's wedding or whatever, and then, or a great meal, and you come together for the meal and it just seems like, wow, where did the time go? It's over. And uh, so I want us to think about time this morning because the reality is that life goes really quick. When you're a little kid, it seems like the clock ticks really slow. And then the older you get, of course, the clock goes faster and faster and faster. And the other thing is that we all have noticed at one time or another is time doesn't always go like we want it to. And the events within the confines of the time that we have on this earth. They have all sorts of twists and turns. They don't always go like we expected. Um, they don't always happen the way we hoped they would. I just want to mention to you real quickly, came across a book the other day at the library, and there are actually some really good books at the library at different times. But this book's called Hit Hard. Our family's journey of letting God or letting go of what was and learning to live well with what is. And it's a true story of a couple who are chaplains with crew at Harvard University. And they were at a football game watching their 16-year-old son uh, who's playing football well enough that they're talking about scholarships to Ivy League schools. And he gets involved in a tackle and causes the tackle causes some kind of head injury. And uh, he doesn't get up off the field. And they take him to rehab or to the hospital. At one point, they have to remove part of his skull because of uh, swelling on his brain. And after months and months of recovery and rehab, uh, their son, who now can get along, uh, basically doesn't have much use of his left side. He basically can't see out of the left side because of issues that have happened. And so life for them 
has completely changed. And the title of the book, Perfect, hit hard. There's times where things happen in our life. We got a text this week from a family friend of ours who last summer when I was on sabbatical, his wife passed away after battling with um, severe back issues and different things. And she was the one that I shared with you that she had fallen from a, she had fallen from a, a table at a, a pain clinic and hit her head and never really recovered from all of that. Well, my friend's youngest son hurt his back a week or so ago and had to go into emergency back surgery. And at this point, his left leg is numb and his bladder is not functioning correctly. And if you think about Peter, you can pray for him. But I think about those things that happen to us and life changes so quickly. Uh, the, the, the way we handle time, the way we take care of what we need to take care of changes in terms of how much time we have to take care of it. And all of a sudden we realize we don't have enough time left to do what we need to do. Or we have way more time on our hands than we thought we would have, and so what are we going to do now? And so life has its twists and turns. I've shared with you the story that if it hadn't been for the fact that my brother had a lot of illness when he was a kid, we would have never changed churches as a family. And if we had never changed churches as a family, Kathy and I would have never met. And so because of a twist and turn in our family's life, because when I first went to the other church, I was pretty mad at my brother. But now today, I'm really glad that he got sick because of the changes that occurred in our life as a result of those twists and turns. And so this next section of James that we're going to look at this morning tackles some of those things. And it tackles uh, the topic of time. It tackles the issue of what we do in terms of our life and what we do with our tomorrows. And how we handle time, how we handle our talents, how we handle our relationships with each other and with God. And basically this passage that we're going to look at was written to people that were involved in business transactions, but really it affects all of us because it has to do with how well we govern ourselves in our relationships to each other. So if we can look at James chapter 4, and we're going to look at the last part of chapter 4, verses 13 to 17, and then we will look at the first part of chapter 5. Come now, you, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you don't know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while or a little time, and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. How about if we say that phrase together, that sentence? Ready? If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is a sin. And then chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. Is that on there too? There it is. Come now, you rich. Weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Now, I know we're not rich in here, so that doesn't apply to us. I'm just kidding. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded. And their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. 
You have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. Chapter 5, those six verses are a pretty serious indictment to misusing the wealth and the riches and the wonderful things that God gives to us in terms of material possessions and time and energy. And basically, the indictment is if we misuse those things, especially if we use them in such a way that they bring harm to people rather than bring the goodness of God to people, we're going to pay for it. We're going to have to deal with an account of why we didn't handle our time differently than the way the Lord prescribed it for us. All of us at one time or another, without being morbid, are going to come to the end of our journey on this earth. And at the end of the journey, the ultimate question will be, how well did I handle my material possessions? How well did I handle God's will with my time? How well did I handle God's will with my relationships? And how well did I follow God's will with His gifts and calling upon my life? The best way for us to approach life is to hold on to it lightly and let God hold on to it tightly. Another paraphrase of verse 14 and 17 of chapter 4 says, Instead you should say, Our tomorrows are in the Lord's hands. And if He is willing, we will live life to its fullest and do this or that. Whatever tomorrow brings. The encouragement for all of us is whatever tomorrow brings, I'm going to give it to God to the fullest extent of the ability that I have in my breath. Just like we sang this morning with every breath that's in our lungs. Whatever tomorrow brings, Lord, I commit to You to give You everything of Myself. Verse 17, this paraphrase, So if you know of an opportunity to do the right thing today, yet you refrain from doing it, in other words, you say, "Ah, you know what, I need more time, I'll do it tomorrow. If you refrain from doing it, you're guilty of sin. Doing God's will and following His plan as it unfolds is always the right thing to do. Being in the center of His will, following His purpose 100% is always the right thing to do. We can't miss if that's what we do with our life. I want to remind you this morning of the question and answer that's the very first question and answer of the Heidelberg Catechism. Question number one. What is your only comfort or your only hope in life and death? And the answer is this. That I'm not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with His precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to Him, Christ, by His Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for Him. Wholeheartedly willing and ready to live for Him. 
This passage from James, and I remind you that the Bible didn't get written or was not written first with chapters and verses. So chapter 4 looks like it's different from chapter 5, but it's just a flow of the same thought. And I think there really are a couple of, well, I'll give you four different main themes that I think you can capture from these verses. First one is when we are following God's will, we will have wisdom about tomorrow. When we're following God's will, we're going to have wisdom about what to do tomorrow. God's wisdom about tomorrow is always a sure thing. And James does what he commonly does in this book. He goes back to the Old Testament and he draws from ideas and themes from the Old Testament. Let me remind you of a few. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 1. Don't boast about tomorrow. Why? Because you don't know what today is going to bring. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3. I think, I think recently I was reading, it was one of you, this is one of your life verses. Commit to the Lord whatever you do. It's Brian. Commit, your life, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and He will establish your plans. In other words, hold on to Him tightly, but hold on to the plans loosely, and say, Lord, whatever you want me to do. The, uh, the original language in that verse actually means roll on to the Lord whatever you do. Whatever you're carrying on your back right now, just roll it onto Him and say, Lord, would you massage this and process it and I will receive it back to you the way you would like me to process it. Unconditionally trust Him in every area of life. Now, you know, when things come our way, that are positive, it's easy to say, oh, hallelujah, I trust Him. But when things come our way that are difficult to deal with, whether we have to battle with disappointment, if we have to battle with pain and sickness and all those kinds of things, the test of our ability to surrender to Him in the process, doesn't it become really, really difficult? But it doesn't matter whether we're going through a season that's really a great season or we're going through a real difficult season, the issue is the Lord wants us to roll those onto Him and commit all of our ways, the good times and the bad times, and trust Him with today and tomorrow. The second theme, besides the fact that we can trust His wisdom for tomorrow, is that when we are following God's will, we will have strength to face the brevity of life. Life is shorter than you think. But here's the good news. God has all the time in the world. He is not confined by our shortness of life. One of the things I've shared before, I think, is that uh, you know, I've had to do a number of funerals over the years. And I did a funeral one time, and I know I've told you some of you this story, but I did a funeral one time for a friend's grandmother, and I didn't know the grandmother, and so I was asking a couple of daughters for some stories that I could tell. And one of the daughters said, you know, I can't think of one damn good thing I want to say about my mom. And I thought, wow, that's sad. This much time. And this daughter's response was, this time was not worth anything to me. You know, in a contrast, just to kind of lift your spirits after that story, 
Uh, some of you remember Alvira, who passed away in this last year, who, uh, you know, kind of a tall, white-haired lady that would come every few weeks, part of Christ Community Church. When Alvira passed away, one of the things I would do at every funeral, what I do at every funeral, especially after that one incident, was I talk about the brevity of life. And I say, life, look. You know, Grandma was here yesterday, and today, today she's gone. You know, or, you know I, I had to do a funeral for a young man that was in the Navy, 21 years old. I had to do a funeral for a stillborn baby. It doesn't matter, you know, I mean whether it's a baby or a, an older person, life is short. And so I would share, I share in funerals, I always say, look, look around you. And if you have someone that you're having difficulty with, work it out because this person's gone and you can't make up with them anymore. You've got to reckon with God if anything was wrong. And uh, I shared that at Alvira's funeral. And I don't know if I shared this after her funeral, but Kathy and I were there and we walked in and the place was just packed. And Alvira had, I don't know, 25 grandkids and that many great-grandkids. And, and uh, several of them were older teenagers and young adults. And uh, one of, this may sound weird to you, but it was an open casket. And uh, <clears throat> a couple of her granddaughters, one of the things Alvira used to like to do was wait for the mail. She was always, is the mail here yet? Is the mail here yet? She was like obsessed with the mail. And so a couple of these granddaughters were kneeling at her casket and they were dropping mail in the casket. And they're going, Grandma, we brought your mail. And look, you got a publisher's clearinghouse. Maybe you're going to win. Maybe this is the one. And then they laughed and they said, actually, you did win. And so I'm watching all of this and there's like this joy in this room of celebration of Alvira's life. And Alvira had a son and... I forget how many daughters, but the son was the oldest. And so I had talked to him about everything. And so I'm up there and I'm sharing, you know, life is short. And if you have any issues with anybody, I mean, it doesn't look like you all do, but if, if you do, make sure you clear it up. He came up to me after the funeral and he said, hey, I have a question. Did somebody tell you that something's wrong? Is there something going on with some family members that they're upset with each other? Like, is there something wrong? I said, no, 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 no. No one said anything. I just say that at every funeral. I said, everything's great. It sounds like with your family. And he goes, oh, yeah. It's, I'm so relieved because we just really love each other. <laughs> it's like, wow, this is, this is such a relief. Because they had realized we need to enjoy the shortness of our life. We need to enjoy the amount of time that we have on this earth. You know, James earlier in chapter 1 says, For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower fail, falls, and its beauty perishes, so also the rich man will fade away in the midst of his pursuits. It's kind of like the picture in Ecclesiastes. It says, Vanity of vanity, everything is vanities. And the word that's used there is kind of like vapor. It's like trying to grab smoke. It's trying to grab a, a wisp of of mist and you're just trying to grab it and you can't hold on to it and that's the way our life is it just here today and it's gone tomorrow but we find our strength in our character we find our strength in our life 
when we acknowledge with the psalmist, I think it's Psalm 31.15 that says, My times are in your hands. And I'd like you to say that with me right now. Let's say together, my times are in your hands. Ready? My times are in your hands. I want you to take your hands like this for just a moment and just imagine that you're holding in your hands the length of your life. The Scripture says in Psalm 90 that we're all given 70 years and 80 years if we get due to strength years. And so let's say it again together. My times are in your hands. Ready? My times are in your hands. The other thing is, when we are following God's will, we trust in His meticulous sovereignty. You realize that God knows you better than you know yourself. When all those twists and turns happened in the life of Joseph, and his brothers betrayed him, and he got separated from his family for a number of years, he was able to see that God could take things and twist them in a way that changed everything. And remember the words at the end of Genesis chapter 50, it says uh, to his brothers, he says, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. The early church in Acts chapter 4, when they were suffering persecution, they said these words, whatever your hand and your plans have predestined to take place, our times are in your hands. We submit ourselves, we surrender ourselves, and I use the word meticulous on purpose. Because Jesus, if, if James is thinking about his brother, Jesus, he's thinking about the words in the Sermon on the Mount. He knows the number of hairs on our head. Wasn't it Brian? Wasn't it you a few weeks ago? You saying, he knows my name? He knows my every thought. He's aware of all of those things in such a detailed way. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 15 and chapter 16 verse 25 says, The way of fools seem right to them, but the wise listen to advice. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. The only way that is right is His meticulous plan for our life. And how many times I get impatient for letting that plan unfold. You remember what Romans 8.28 says, right? Somebody quote it. All things work together for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. That's a, that's a verse of surrender that just says, all my times are in your hands. All the good times, all the bad times, you're going to sort them all out. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, seek first the kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And the last theme that I think you can pick up in, these pass, in this passage in James is that when we are trusting God's will, we trust in His final word. When we're trusting in God's will, we, we trust in His final word. We make, we make right decisions now so that we don't miss out on God's best for us. 
The language of James in James chapter 5 is pointing towards the final day of judgment. The final day of judgment when thankfully God will take everything that's happened in this world. And, and God knows that there's a lot happening that needs to be straightened out. And everything that's happened in our lives by our poor choices, by the poor choices of other people involved in our lives, by just circumstances that occur that we can't figure out how they happened. Thankfully, thank God, one day He's going to take and He's going to put this piece here and put this piece here and move this puzzle piece here and everything's going to line up and we're going to go, oh, that's how this all works. That's what James is pointing to and he's being very critical of different people because he's critical of them for taking things in their own hands and saying, hey, this is mine, this is mine, this is mine. And he's saying, it is not yours. It's his to put in order. And he will be the one that has the final word. It's not an indictment against riches. It's just a warning to pay attention to all that God gives us and makes available to us to use. Let me give you a couple of verses from Proverbs again. Proverbs 16.33 The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. At the end of our journey, like I said earlier, the ultimate question will be, how well did I follow God's will with my time? How well did I follow God's will with my material possessions? How well did I follow God's will in the relationships that He gave me the opportunity to participate in? How well did I use the gifts that He put into my life? How well did I follow the calling that He put into my life? And at the end of our journey, the ultimate question will be, how well did I follow God in all the circumstances of my life? As I said earlier, the best way to approach life is to let God hold onto it tightly while we hold onto it lightly. Here's a question that I want to have us all think about as we come to the end of these thoughts. It's a question I ask with every circumstance, with every decision, and with every concern. And I want to encourage you to think about this as well. Will my choices, will my meditations, will my final decisions, all of those things that I make in my life that line up to represent the time of my life. I want them to meet one standard. There's only one standard that matters. I'm going to hand all that I've done, I'm going to hand this pile of all this time I've spent. And the, and, and the statement that we all want to hear is well done, good and faithful servant. You know, the sad thing is that 
All of us are going to experience this. He's going to take this pile of stuff that we call life. And he's going to go, nope, nope, nope. Yes, 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 yes. And hopefully when it's all done, the pile of things that represent well done, good and faithful servant are way higher than the pile of things that did not represent that. I just want to remind you, and I want to read it to you again, what is our only comfort or hope in life and death? That I'm not my own. I belong body and soul in life and death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He's fully paid for all my sins with His precious blood, and He set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to Him, Christ, by His Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life, and He makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for Him. Is your heart a heart that is wholeheartedly willing to live for Him, whatever God calls you to. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord, we realize that at the end of the day, no matter how many things we think we have to say or do, You're the one that makes the final call. And so, Rather than waiting till the final day, we just ask that you'd help us to settle that now. Help us to live with that spirit, that attitude in our heart, that you're in charge and you make the final call. And then we surrender. We surrender all of that to you and trust you with what your plan is. In your name we pray. Amen. Now before we... um, we're going to go ahead and pray first before we do the last song. So, is that right? Before we do our last song, one of the things that we need to do this morning, and it actually <clears throat> actually wasn't necessarily planned like this, but it fits in with the message. Um, Ken and Brittany have felt like God is leading them to a different, a different role and place of ministry. And what this represents for us is to have the opportunity to release them to that, to uh, bless them to that, and uh, ask God to use them to carry what He's put in them by His Spirit and what He's put in them uh, through their connection to the church. And so I'm going to ask Ken and Brittany to come, uh, and Byron, he's quietly asleep, um, can you do me a favor? Can you just pull this out of the way for me? <clears throat> Can I borrow your microphone? Can I borrow your 